Thank you, Nigel. And it's really good to see you all this morning. And I'm aware that many of you know who I am, but there's quite a few who probably have no idea who I am at all. So I will be sharing a little bit about my own story as we go through the morning. But um, we are carrying on the series, Come Follow Me and I Will Make You Fishers of Men. And just in summary, the Come Follow Me we looked at a few weeks ago, which was all about wholeheartedly following Jesus. And the I Will Make You, how we are being formed uh, and changed to become like Jesus and how Jesus does that in you. And the Fishers of Men is where we've landed now. And I'm doing the second of three talks about all about being witnesses uh, for Jesus and following him. But before I do that, last week, Joe. Um, who was sharing, uh, shared about her own testimony. And I think that's a good place to start, how, uh, how we found Jesus. So some of you have heard my testimony, but I, I know that some of you haven't. But I'm going to share how I came to know Jesus, because that has so influenced me throughout my life and where I'm at now when it comes to being a witness for Jesus. So if you go back to February 1970, and I was a teenager, age 19, and I had come through the 60s, and I was very much a child of the 60s. So was Mervyn. I know you can't believe that looking at us now, but we really were um, those who traveled through the 60s. And as a result, by the age of 19, I uh, had got everything I thought I needed to make my life happy. I'd got a place at college, I got a boyfriend, I got a good set of friends. Um, and I was in this amazing movement of the 60s going into the 70s. And yet I felt so miserable. And there were a lot of bad things happening in the background in my life that really caused me a lot of pain. And I remember thinking, I've got everything I need and I still feel awful. And I felt really low and really depressed. And I was sat in a disco, as we did back then, and um, Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel was top of the charts. So it's just giving you the background. And I was sat there with my boyfriend I'm thinking, I just feel like, what is the point of life? I was that low. And then suddenly, two guys came and sat at our table. They were both American. And they sat down uh, beside us, introduced themselves. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. They're American. Why are they here? And they said they just wanted to come and talk to us about Jesus. And immediately I said, I don't want to hear about religion. I've had it up to here. And they said a very interesting thing to me. They said, we won't talk to you about religion. Religion won't change your life, but Jesus will. And then they shared their testimonies and they'd been into drugs and all sorts. They'd been, uh, their lives had really messed up. 
And I didn't know, but we were in the middle of a worldwide revival that started in California called the Jesus Movement. I didn't know that, but we landed in the middle of that. And they started to share how Jesus had changed their lives and what had happened to them. And as they shared their testimonies, this is really important, as they shared their testimonies, something inside me grabbed me. And I thought, oh, that sounds like they've got something I'm looking for. And I'd had a sort of Christian upbringing, a bit very religious, but I did have a father who, even though he was backslidden, did pray for me a lot. And something inside me just hung on to what they were saying. And so much so, we talked till three in the morning and they explained the gospel. It was the four spiritual laws. Did anybody remember that was the tracks everybody used back then? But it was good. And it, it, it brought me to Jesus. And I remember I was in the kitchen at this Bible school called Cape and Ray Hall. Some of you may have heard of that. Uh, in the middle of nowhere, near the Lake District, um, at three in the morning. And I gave my life to Jesus because I just knew that what they were saying was real. And I knew I needed forgiveness. And I just knew that it was right for me, and I took that first step. And so it was literally within hours out of darkness into life. And I opened the door, this big oak door, Cape and Ray Bible School, and I went out and it was like the Milky Way was out there, all these amazing stars. And I knew the God who'd made that had come into my life. So much so, I went home, woke my dad up, said I've got something to tell him. And I think he wondered what on earth it was at three in the morning. And I just said, I've given my life to Jesus. He's so real. And of course, he broke down in tears because he had also given to his life to Jesus as a young man too. And he really helped me. And then my brother came to the Lord and towards the end of her life, my mother did too. So God did an amazing thing in me and in my family. I lost all my friends, but God gave me new ones. But I had a whole period of my early Christian life where it was just me and Jesus. But he was so real, it, it didn't seem to matter. So that clearly has influenced me as I've... Um, gone on through life. So when people talk about outreach and going on the streets, I know God can meet with you. I just know it. And so if, I, if ever I go out on the streets, uh, I expect things to happen because that's what happened for me. You know, that someone took the time to come and sit in a disco and come over and talk to me, and I responded. And uh, there have been times when I've seen that happen as well, and I'll share that as we go through. But I'm going to start right back at the, um, in John 3, when Jesus was explaining to someone who was clearly seeking, that's Nicodemus, um, what it means to become a Christian, what this new religion, as Nicodemus thought it was, was all about and how it can happen. And sometimes these verses are so familiar to us, aren't they, that we must be born again. They get too familiar. And I, my prayer is that today the Holy Spirit would use these verses 
to just reawaken in you the wonder of the gospel and how powerful it really is, how glorious it is. So we'll just read um, uh, some excerpts from John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. So he was a Pharisee, and we know he was up in the council. He was a very uh, prominent Pharisee. And yet he came to Jesus at night, and he must have been intrigued by him. And he acknowledged that he came from God because he'd heard of and maybe even seen some of the miracles that Jesus had done. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, said Nicodemus. Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. So, and he's very forthright with Nicodemus because firstly he sees he's seeking God, but he also knows that he um, has lived, you know, with the law and keeping the law and had a very religious background. And then Jesus goes on to say, he says, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is spelling it out to Nicodemus. This is nothing to do with the kind of religious background you've been brought up in. This is something that God has initiated, a new life within you, born of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sees that Nicodemus had an inquiring heart. You know, he was honestly seeking. He came at night for fear of the Jews because he didn't want to be seen publicly talking with Jesus. And Jesus explained the new birth by the Holy Spirit to him. And he, he, he was very, he, he pressed him, it was urgent that he knew this, that this isn't like the old ways, this is something totally new that would be a birth by the Holy Spirit. And he emphasized, we cannot do this by ourselves, and we can't. We can't make ourselves be born again. It is that gift of God, and it's regeneration. It is new life. So in conversation, Jesus virtually tells Nicodemus he has missed the entire point of salvation, that no amount of effort 
financial success, personal kindness, or religious devotion can give you a place in God's kingdom. Now, to someone like Nicodemus, that would be shocking, whose whole life was built on about keeping the law and good works, because that's what they've been taught. And can I say today, there are many Nicodemuses out there, many, many people like Nicodemus, who genuinely are seeking God, and they know there's something more, but their only understanding of it is that I've got to try harder, I've got to work harder, I've got to earn my salvation and work my way up to be acceptable to God. And Jesus was explaining to him, that is not what I have come to do. And he went on to say it's about receiving the free gift from God that Jesus secured our salvation himself by dying on the cross to reconnect us to God. And it was God who initiated this. It was God who came and saw us in our plight, that we were hopeless, we were lost, and he took the initiative and as John, the, the neck further down in John 3, verses 16 to 18, that very famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him may be saved. God came down to us. In all, most other major religions, it's about working your way up to God. But with the Christian faith, it's about God stepping down into our lives to bring his salvation to us. And that is such a miracle. It's an amazing miracle. Just sit with that for a moment. The miracle that God said, I will come. I will save you. I will pay the price. I will rescue you. Because we won't want to go and share the good news about Jesus. If we've lost that sense of urgency, that sense of joy, in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So just sit for a moment and maybe just in your hearts, just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, you died for us. You paid the price so we could go free. Thank you, Jesus, you are that glorious, wonderful saviour. We are so thankful, Lord, for what you've done. And in this verse, there's a choice there. The choice is about perishing or eternal life. It's perishing is the opposite of salvation. Okay, it's living our lives without God. It's about death as opposed to life, loss as opposed to gaining. 
So living our lives without God, we are cut off from everything that God wants to give to us freely. And we have that choice. And God did give us free will to say, you can choose me, or you can choose to keep living your own way and on your own. But there are consequences of that. So it was a choice, and it still is a choice today for us, whether we want to live our lives connected with God or go our own way. But life and the Holy Spirit living within us, the life of Jesus within us, is eternal. It goes on forever. It's a new quality of life where we are freed from condemnation. And today, if you're sat under a cloud of condemnation, Jesus really does want to free you from that. He really, really does. That's why he came to die. That we will be freed from condemnation. So hold on to that. That is what Jesus wants to do. We are approved by God. And not only that, we're totally accepted. We're loved beyond belief. And we can know him intimately as our friend, as our saviour, as our healer, as our Lord. And we are imperishable. When we die, life goes on. Death is not the end. And that is such good news. And I'll share a story about that in a minute. Our sins are completely forgiven. Jesus came and he wiped the slate clean. And I know when I was, um, when they were explaining to me about coming to Jesus, I just knew I'd done things wrong and I needed forgiveness. I just knew that. And when they said, Jesus will give you total forgiveness through the power of his blood shed on the cross. It was like, oh, I don't need that. And I can remember this feeling of being clean, washed clean and whole. It was beautiful. And that's available to us all. Even if you've been a Christian for years and years and years, even if your experience uh, becoming a Christian was very quiet and you can't even point a finger to when it happened, it's just as much a miracle as the way I came. The miracle is that we have Jesus and he came to free us from condemnation. And um, we'll explore that in a minute. And as I was preparing, I felt the Lord drop this verse into my mind. Psalm 51 verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And it just kept coming back, so I'm sharing that with you. Have we lost the joy, the miracle of salvation, and what Jesus has freely given to us? Has something been lost in you that needs to be restored? Because if we've lost that joy, and it can be lost for all kinds of reasons, we're not going to feel very enthusiastic about going and sharing with, with others who don't know Jesus. It'll be a duty. Oh, I suppose I ought to. It'll be a chore. 
And that is not what, what, we, uh, what God wants for us. So let's just take a bit longer now and just sit quiet and say, Lord, have I lost that joy in what it means for me to know you? And if you're someone here who doesn't know Jesus, is that something you would like to know more about? We'd love to talk to you and pray with you at the end if that's the case. Just sit quietly. How excited, how full of joy am I about the fact that Jesus came and died for me? Now, some of you may be going through terrible times. Some of you may be really suffering. And there may be a lot of things you are struggling with now. There is no condemnation about that. You feel far from God for whatever reason. And we'd love to pray with you about that. And how do we lose that joy? Well, sometimes it's just things like disappointment. You feel disappointed with life. You may feel disappointed with God. Things haven't worked out. You prayed and prayed. You thought God said something and it didn't work out. And sometimes that can, you can get help just by talking that through or by having prayer. And we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you feel you are under condemnation. Maybe you're aware of stuff in your life that's not right. Maybe it's what's been put on you. A lot of shame comes from what others have put on us. That may be in your childhood, in your past, or even more recently. And again, we'd love to pray with you or help you or point you in the right direction. Maybe it's disillusionment. Maybe you just haven't been experiencing much of God of late and you've just got a bit disillusioned with the whole thing. Maybe it's fear. Fear of going out, of sharing your faith with anyone that there's real fear there, what will they think of me, what if they reject me, what if they laugh at me, what if it doesn't go anywhere, and we'll look at that in a minute, very common. Or maybe it's just apathy, or unbelief, can be many reasons, this is not said to condemn in any way at all, it's just highlighting the areas. And talking it through, getting prayer, a so-so can really help in some of these areas where you're really blocked. We'd love to offer that for you. And we'll pick up with that at the end of one of the things we will pray for. Do you feel you've lost that joy? Do you want us to pray for that wonder to be restored? So, we're coming on to the second part now, which is about, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I thought, I know nothing about fishing. And when I was preparing, I thought, I know absolutely nothing at all. And I talked to one or two people who knew a bit. I mean, my image of fishing is just sitting on a bank of a river and throwing your, your rod and line in and waiting a long time. Well, no, I was wrong. There's a lot more to it. Um, 
than, than that. And these are just some of the uh, different types of fishing, angling, ice fishing, noodling. Does anybody know what noodling is? Well, I, know, I learned something when I was doing this. Noodling is done in Japan and parts of Asia, and it's where they literally cook noodles and they dangle it in the water and a certain type of fish will come and nibble at it and when they do, you grab the fish. <laughs> that is true. That is some information that I've learned. And I thought, well, yeah, food can be great bait sometimes when you're talking to people about Jesus. If you invite them around for a meal or go out for a meal or even a coffee, that can be a great way of opening up conversation. So fly fishing, kayak fishing, spear fishing, freshwater fishing, saltwater, bank fishing, bow fishing, drop lining, to name a few. But just like there's lots of different types of fishing that require certain skills like patience and perseverance, there's also different types of fishermen or women of ways we can talk to people about Jesus. There's lots of different types of fish out there, and they don't all require the same approach. So we're going to go through some of the different styles of evangelism, because many of us think, oh, to, you know, to share Jesus, you've got to be out on the streets, or you've got to be really socking it to them. No, 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 that isn't what being a witness to Jesus is about, because he uses us, he uses our personality, our gifting, our willingness. But we are all called to be witnesses. We may, may not be evangelists in the like of some people, but we are still called to be witnesses. The question is, how do I partner with God to play my part? So we're going to look at some of the different styles of evangelism. The first one is testimonial. That's sharing your testimony. And that's probably one of the easiest ways of, of sharing uh, about Jesus because nobody can really argue with your testimony. You are sharing what has happened to you. When these two young American guys came, they shared their testimonies of how Jesus had met with them, and it blew my mind. It really, really um, hit home to me. And you may say, oh, well, my testimony is not dramatic. I believe God will put you with the right person who will be touched by your testimony, no matter how you found Jesus. And like the blind man, when Jesus prayed for the blind man in John 9, 25, and the Pharisees, they were all trying to um, pick holes in what, uh, what Jesus had done and um, putting pressure on this guy. And he simply said, one thing I know, you can put all these arguments. I was blind, but now I see. And I thought that's just a simple testimony. One thing I know, I was this way and now I'm that way. And that may be all you need to say. One of the nicest stories I heard about this, has anybody heard of Francis Collins? He's one of the most eminent scientists in the world and he was very key 
in discovering the human genome. Very powerful man. And he did a lot with the COVID vaccinations and everything. But he's also a very committed Christian. And he shares, you can go on YouTube and listen to him. Brilliant mind. And he said when he was training to be a doctor, he said he was in about his third year and it was the first time they'd released his students onto hospital wards to go and uh, meet the patients. <laughs> and he said he came across this dear old lady and virtually they had done everything they could for her from a medical point of view. And she had a bad heart and nothing more could be done. And he said, I suddenly realized I was the one who had to break the news to her that she was going to die. And, um, and he was very anxious about it and how that would affect her. But this dear old lady was a Christian. And she said, oh, I've got a wonderful family who will support me till the end. And you know, doctor, I don't need to worry about dying because I'm a Christian and I know I will go to heaven and Jesus will meet me. I feel totally at peace. And he said he sat there and he thought, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to say. And she said to him, she said, Doctor, I've shared with you about my family and about my faith. I sort of thought you'd have something to say back to me. <laughs> and he said, I hadn't a clue what to say to her. But he said... Something through her very simple, note this, very simple testimony, um, got home to him and he said, I suddenly thought, I have no idea what will happen to me when I die. And it wouldn't go away. So he started studying world religions and it was before the internet, before Wikipedia and all that. And he started reading these books and he thought, I can't get my head around it. So he decided to go to a minister, a local minister, and he knocked on the door and he said, can I talk to you about Christianity? So I invited him in and he blurted out where he was at. And the minister very wisely said, he said, well, it sounds like you're on a journey and you are seeking. And he said, I've got a very good book that might help you by a man of a very high intellect like you are, who had all the same struggles, but eventually came to faith. And he lent him Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And, uh, and he said that led to a whole string of events where he eventually became a Christian. And uh, I just think that's lovely. You know, a very simple testimony by an old lady who was dying but was certain of where she'd go. Just open the door. The second uh, way to do it is by invitation. Come and see, like the woman at the well. Come and see. Come and see a man who told me all about myself. Come and see. And that would include like invitations to Alpha or a special service or a social or the I Am Mark event we put on. And I had three, three lots of people I was going to invite to I Am Mark. And I really prayed about them and I contacted them and all of them, with good reason, could not come. And it got to the day of the event and I got this spare ticket and I said, Lord, I don't really want to go on my own. 
And I just felt this sense of urgency, go and ask this lady who lived next door to us. And I thought, I've asked her so many times, and she's always said no, but I thought, I'll go. I had no faith, honestly, I was almost all right then. And I went and knocked on her door. I said, I've got this spare ticket, are you free tonight? And she said, I'll come. She said, I'd love to come. Let's go and have a girls' night out. And I thought, I don't think she knows what she's coming to. She did have a glass of wine when she got here. But, she, uh, but I, I, I explained what it was. Do you know, and she came, she sat on the front row, and she loved it. She was blown away by it. And it was so powerful. And I thought, Lord, you're amazing. You did that. And, you know, never give up, even if your neighbours have said no a hundred times. Just keep, keep, keep trying. Um, the next way of uh, sharing faith is uh, confrontational. If we look at, which sounds a heavy word, doesn't it? But it's about people who will challenge. I'm thinking more of your Ephesians 4 evangelists here. Uh, like Peter in front of a crowd of 5,000, calling them all to repentance. And there was this massive response because he spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit. People we can think of are people like Billy Graham. If you ever listen to a Billy Graham video, you are in no doubt what becoming a Christian is. You know, he will sock it to you, but in such a way that commands a response. And thousands, maybe millions of people around the world have come to Christ via Billy Graham. It may not be your style. I can't imagine it being my style. But there are people who do that. God uses them. People like Reinhard Bonnke and in our own nation, uh, J. John, a, a few people who come to mind. I'm sure there's many more. And the... Another way is intellectual. Now, if you're somebody who likes apologetics and who likes having a good old um, discussion about the meaning of life and the world and why there's suffering and all this, all these big heavy questions that probably most of us dread because we don't know all the answers. But some people love that. Some people love that. And there have been people, a very famous lawyer, I've forgotten his name. Who moved the stone? Can anybody tell me? All oh, right, thank you. Um, he was uh, he he was a lawyer who set out to disprove Christ, and he read the Gospels, and he uh, ended up believing. But he came to Christ purely through his mind and through intellectual reasoning, and he ended up writing this book, "Who Moved the Stone," very very famous book. Acts 17 is Paul in Athens and uh, the Athenians, the Greeks, were very much in their head, did a lot of rational thinking. And Jesus was, uh, it wasn't Jesus, sorry, it was um, Paul. And Paul was just so clever because he was a great intellect and he, he talked to them about the one statue they had, which, a sta- which was a statue to the unknown God. And he talked to them about it and used it as a way of bringing Jesus into their culture as being the one they could know. He was the God they could know. 
and um, his intellectual reasoning was so polite, he was asked back to speak again. So if you're someone who likes that kind of approach, that's great. God will use you with your gifting, with the way he's made you. Prompting is another way. Prompting questions to deeper reflection can give a glimpse through a story or a painting or nature. Jesus' use of parables was a very good way of doing that. It got them to think much, much more deeply. When I was studying to be an art psychotherapist, I was on a training course up in London with some people. There was about 20, 25 of us. And there were a few Christians, but the majority were into all kinds and every kind of spirituality you can imagine. And one of the things that we had to do was like an icebreaker, um, just to get to know one another, was to do a group painting. So we had this massive amount of paper, and we were to do it on the meaning of life and the world. And I thought, Lord, what can I do? And I thought what I felt the Lord showed me was to do a heart in the middle of the paint, painting to show that at the heart of the world of the universe was love, a God of love. That was my view. But then I stood there and I watched as all these different people added to the painting and you know, they put in the river of life because they reckoned that there was a bridge you could cross over the river of life and that if you went over to the other side and they drew people in darkness where something had gone wrong, something had come into the world that was wrong. Over the other side, someone painted a chalice that held the suffering of the world. Now, isn't that powerful? And I wanted to stand up and put a cross there and say, let me tell you all about it. And I just felt the Lord said, no, you don't need to do that here. What I'm showing you is that people are nearer than you think. And what he showed me right at the beginning of my course, and I did have lots of conversations with people, that people were really much more open. And some of them were the ones you would think would be hostile. So God has written in us what salvation is about. It was such an eye-opener for me. Relational. This is what probably most of us do, and it's really important, valid way of sharing the gospel, where we share our lives with people at work, you know? And maybe you get the opportunity. People say, well, you don't lose your rag like everyone else. Oh, you have this peace about you. Or where do you go on Sundays? What do you do at the weekend? Just little openings like that. And you just live your life um, with Jesus in front of your work colleagues or at the gym or when you go on a walk with someone or when you do sport. The other style is responsive, where there are divine appointments where the Holy Spirit leads us to people being available for that. And uh, the, the story in Acts about Philip and the eunuch and the Holy Spirit led him to explain 
who Jesus was to the eunuch and even baptized him. It was just on the spot promptings. And I've had one or two of those. And uh, when we were going out on the streets a few years back now, we did the um, treasure hunting. And all I got was pink. So I just felt the Lord gave me the word pink. So I went out on the streets with someone who was with me. And, uh, and I was just looking for pink. And as I, I got to the bridge, where the bishop on the bridge is, this lady, young girl, was walking towards me. She had pink hair, pink coat, pink handbag, pink, 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 all over her. And I felt the Lord say, this is her, you see. And I thought, I, I can't go. So I sort of stopped her, a bit surprised, and I explained what I'd done. I'd been praying, I was a Christian, and the Lord had given me this word, pink. And I see you're dressed in pink. Are you happy if I share um, about Jesus with you? She said, are you from Vineyard? And I said, yes. And she said, I know someone who goes there. He's talked to me. So I thought, right. So I explained about Jesus to her and what it meant to be a Christian. And then remembering my experience, I said, have you... um, would you like to know Jesus for yourself? And she said, I think I would. And so in the middle of the street in Winchester, she opened her heart to Jesus. Now, I could dive in with that because that had been my experience. You know, not everybody would be able to. And I gave her a card. I never saw her again. I pray for her by name most days. But I do believe that God met her. And it was just prompting of the Holy Spirit. The next one is about serving, serving in practical ways. Compassion Ministries is a great example of that. And in the Bible, Tabitha Dorcas, who was raised from the dead, um, she just spent her life serving others and they couldn't cope with the fact that she died and she was raised from the dead. In our life group, we've got a a person who is amazing, who every day goes and visits a friend who is disabled and who is an addict. And the first thing he does is he goes and he empties their commode, makes some breakfast, does a bit of cleaning every single day and counts it as an honour to do it for the Lord. I think that's amazing. And you can't say God won't speak through that. Of course he will. So serving that many of us will do is one of the other ways. And lastly, there's the um, supernatural way. And that is where Jesus used miracles, the lame man and healing, um, and prophecy and using that. And we're going to play a video very quickly. And you may find you really are challenged by this. Or you may find it, oh, it's just loud Christian music, whatever you do. The whole thing is, it's uh, Brandon Lake, who's a famous Christian singer. And he's telling the story of the man whose friends took him to Jesus, he was paralyzed, they tore off the roof. And the words of the song say, tear off the roof, get me to Jesus. 
That's all I want. Tear off the roof. And the woman who had the issue of blood, who just wanted to touch Jesus. And do we really believe that in people? People need to touch Jesus, however we do it. So after that, we're going to pray. And uh, if you need prayer for any of the things mentioned, we'd love you to come forward. So if we could play the video, that would be great.